always wonderful to start a new year. It's, uh, for me, it's an exciting time because uh, I know that nothing magic happens at the beginning of a new year, but it is a reminder that God is a God of new things, and it uh, gives us an opportunity to remember that uh, every day is a fresh start in the kingdom, and uh, God's grace and mercy is, is new every day for us. And, and so we began this year, and we thought about it, and we prayed about what would be the best thing to begin with. And I thought, you know, sometimes it's, it's good to come back to basics as uh, we start. Uh, um, it's easy to kind of forget some of these, these core things as we grow in faith and faithfulness. It's part of the danger of discipleship is sometimes we get into the deep waters, and then we forget how to swim. We don't want to do that. And so uh, as we begin this year, as we start afresh, and God has some really awesome things for us, it's important for us to make sure that we just check our foundations, that we make sure that we're, we're building upon the core truths of, of what we believe. So where we're starting this year, in fact, a, a real theme that you're going to find in this year and, and then the messages, but also as what we're doing in this church is going to be faith at work, right? Faith that really does work. So we're going to start today really talking about faith. And uh, this whole series is going to be about that. It's a, um, if you think about it, faith is really the most important fundamental of the Christian, of the disciple. We're disciples of Jesus that build generational, transformational disciples. Well, you can't do that without faith. Um, faith is a really important thing. It is the difference between heaven and hell. Right? That is the test in this life. If you're going to get anything right, God's not going to uh, look at us and say, well, were you talented enough? That's not, that's not the, the test that allows us to enter heaven, right? He's not going to say, did you suffer enough for the kingdom, right? That's, that's not the test. He, he's not going to say, were you productive enough for the kingdom? That's not going to be the test. Uh, the test isn't, you know, it's not a Bible quiz when we get up there and you have to know all the Bible trivia. That's not the test. It's not how many hours we spent going to church or serving others or any of those things. The test isn't even righteousness, which is something that we try to attain, right? It's, it's not how good we were. That's not what's going to get us. It's not how many good works we've done. That's not the test. A person is not saved by any of those things. We're saved by God. And the means by which God determines upon who he's going to give his grace to is we are saved by God's grace through faith. It is the one most important thing. So if we're going to start on anything that's, a, that's essential to begin, let's talk about faith. This is, this is the most important thing as a pastor. I want to make sure that we get this right. It is the difference. It's what everything else is built upon. In fact, we're not going to be able to do anything for God as a disciple if we do not get our faith correctly. In fact, uh, that brings us to our, our memory verse, which is our anchor verse for the series, is this, is that without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's, uh, why is my thing? That's, well, let's go back. Why did my little thing there? That's uh, Hebrews 5, but it, it talks about um, 11, I think 7. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, you can't do it. And, and there's a reason for that. It says in there, because by faith, if you go into the Word and, and actually look at that, it says that without faith, it's impossible to please God uh, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Hebrews eleven six. That we have to start with this reality that God exists, that, that he is a creator, that he operates in a different way, and that he interacts with us. That 
that he rewards those who seek him. And so this whole series, what I'm going to ask us to do is really put this into our heart, into our mind, really focus on, on this. As everything comes back to this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's why it matters. So we're going to go through uh, how faith works, uh, why faith matters, how faith grows in the upcoming weeks. But today, we're going to start with what faith is. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, if you turn them to, with me, uh, to Hebrews chapter 11, and there's a reason that we're there. See, in Hebrews 11, uh, we are, are in this uh, book that was written by, who knows, I, I know a lot of people think maybe it's the Apostle Paul or others, but it was written to the church at, at, at a time of great persecution, and not just to the church in general, but to the Jewish believers of the church uh, that were being persecuted horribly by the government. They were coming in and they were slaughtering Christians and tormenting them to get information as to where other Christians were, and then they would burn them alive, and they would throw them to lions, and they would do horrible things to them. It was a high cost to being a Christian. Not only that, but there's an economic cost. They were seizing their houses and their businesses. They were being shut out and, and basically were a social pariah. So it was difficult to be a Christian. There was a cost to the faith. In fact, this was not the health and wealth experience uh, that the early Christians were having in this. Following Jesus cost them everything. And it was doubly difficult for the Jewish Christians because they were following their Messiah. And as they did that, they were being excluded from the communion with their Jewish community. The people that they had grown up with, the synagogues were shut down on them. And not only that, but the old community that they used to be part of not only was casting them out, but were also motivated to turn them into the authorities. It was really, really difficult. And these Christians, in the midst of this difficult time, were asking themselves this question, is it worth following Jesus with all of the cost? And seemingly, in this life, none of the benefit. Why would you follow Jesus? And so God, through His Holy Spirit, has whoever wrote this, has them write a letter from, uh, to, to the church and says, it's, this is why. This is why it's so important to follow Jesus. He is worthy and he is worth it. He is greater than all these other things that you could put your faith in. He's greater than all these other things that, that we would find hope in. He's, he's better than the law. He's better than Moses. He's better than Abraham. He's better than the angels themselves, right? He's better than the high priest. That Jesus is worth it. And he he goes through and talks about why it's so important to cling to faith. And near the end of this, this amazing letter, he then he goes down to what we call Hebrews 11. It's kind of like a roll call of faith. It's, it's an example to the church. This is what faith is, and this is what it looks like. So if you're going to cling to faith, isn't it helpful to have an example set before you? To say, this is what it looks like? And that's what we have in Hebrews 11. And as we get there, we recognize that he starts with, which is, makes sense, a definition of what faith even is. So in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is a confidence in what we hope for, an assurance about what we do not see. And since this message is about what faith is, there you go. That's basically it. Now, this, it gets deeper. <laughs> faith, though, is an important thing. There's two qualifications in there. Don't you see that? Faith has two parts to it. First one is confidence in what we hope for. Right? That means we put trust in this. And what's what we hope for, remember, are the promises of God. This is uh, what we uh, know that God is going to do. 
And, and we have this confidence that that's going to happen. Not this wishful thinking that I hope it's going to happen, but a confidence that no, God keeps his word. And also the second part, assurance about what we don't see. Because God's promises aren't yet fully fulfilled. And I'm glad for that right now, because this is, if this was as good as it gets, if this was our best life now, sign me out. But there is something better that God has promised. He's at work doing something, and he'll be faithful to complete it, but it's not completed yet. But we have assurance that it will happen. And so faith has these two amazing components. It's why it's a little different than just your average run-of-the-mill kind of faith. Like everybody has faith every single day. Faith is not something for spiritual people. Faith is for reasonable people, right? Last time I filled up my tank and went to the, the gas station, I put the gasoline in there, and it said it had a certain amount of octane. Now, by faith, I accepted that it did. I didn't chemically test it, right? Because if I had to test every single thing before I trusted anything, I would be a lunatic, right? That, that there is a certain level in which we say there is reasonable faith. We just trust, confidence what we hope for. I hope it had so many octane. I had assurance that, it, that I didn't see it, but it was there. So yes, I did have this, but, but biblical faith has this confidence and assurance in God. And that's the part that really sets it apart. And so it, we go on there and he says, this is what the ancients were commanded for. Really important for us to gain this. The, the Hebrew Christians, when they got this, could have been thought, well, maybe what God, they're commended for is how much we suffer for God. Not really. Or maybe it's by how many good works that we do or whatever. What is it that God commends? What is it that he, he values? What is it that impresses God? Well, it certainly isn't our talent. I mean, think about this. God could make a donkey talk. He could make you more talented. He could make me more talented if he wanted to. He could have made me less talented. I am who I am because God created me this way. He shaped me perfectly for the work he, called, he prepared in advance for me to do. So he's not impressed by our abilities. He's not impressed by our physicality, right? By how healthy or strong or things you are. God is not impressed. He can make dead people alive, right? He's not super impressed by, by what we physically can do. He's certainly not impressed by our intellect and how much we can reason or think. Our brains are tiny compared to his. We can't even begin to fathom the infinite mind of God. So it's not that he's impressed by those things. What God impressed by throughout all of scripture is this, the confident assurance that the ancients held, that, that they clung to God and they trusted him. This is what matters. And if we grow in faith, we want to be disciples of Jesus. We have to make sure that everything that we're doing, it has to be this expression or this growing of faith. Nothing wrong with be allowing God to make us more righteous. Nothing wrong with being obedient. Nothing wrong with using our gifts and abilities to build his kingdom. Nothing wrong with developing those things. Nothing wrong with any of that. But if it's not an expression of faith, God's not so impressed. That what we aim for is to be pleasing to God. And what we aim for is, is to make sure that we honor God with our lives. This is what we want to do. And that begins with faith. He goes on to say, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. That when we start with the Christian faith, 
What, what the ancients were commended for is, is understand that God is holy, holy, holy. He is different. He is not bound by or, or held within this natural world. You can't explain God by what we see here. You cannot do it. That, that we understand the universe was formed at God's command. He's outside of it. He's bigger than it. He's powerful. And he owns it all. That he's bigger than us and that he's smarter than us and he's more righteous than we are. But also, what is seen was made out of what was not visible. That he can do the impossible. He can do the inexplicable. That God can do what is impossible for, for all things that are bound in nature to do because of his nature as creator. And so faith begins with God as creator. We have to begin with that. And if he can create the whole world, then he can also create a new life in me. If he can create the whole world, he can create a new righteousness in us. If he can create all things, then he can create purpose in this life for me. We have to begin with the fact that God is a creative God. And we have to be confident then in him and his promises that this creator, when he speaks, it becomes reality. And sometimes, as we saw in creation, it became reality right away. And sometimes, as we've seen with, with Jesus and the prophecies about him, sometimes he'll speak and it takes several centuries. But it still always comes to pass. God cannot lie. So, we're assured of his existence. Well, we have an understanding that this world has a design and an order. If there is no God, it's just chaos, isn't it? If there is no God, then we're all just stardust that kind of clumb together, and then you really don't have free will because your mind is just a bunch of interactions of, of chemical things that would have had to turn out the way they did according to natural law, and, and the world is just, is just a failing clock. But we know that there is order in this world, and there's purpose for it because there was a creator and a designer. And he's given purpose not just to this world. He's also given, he's given uh, meaning to every one of our lives. And he's not just designed the big things, but he's also designed every single one of us. So faith begins with this God as creator. You cannot please God if you don't believe he exists, if you don't trust him have confident assurance. Now, do I see God? No, because he's everywhere. If that's, I saw God, that's all I would see, because it'd just be everywhere. But I do know that he's there, and there's a lot of evidence that he exists, and he keeps his promises. So faith begins with the reality of God. As it goes on, it says, by, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. When God spoke of his off offerings, and by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. Now, he's talking here, and you'll see that as the author of, of Hebrews, now through the Holy Spirit, is going to be going through Scripture. And he's going to be listing off different characters in Scripture as to how their faith was demonstrated, what does it look like. And he starts at the very beginning. We have Genesis 4, and you have the first two brothers, Cain and Abel, and it didn't turn out very well. Uh, and that early family. If you think your family's dysfunctional, the very first family had murder in it. So that's not great. Like humanity didn't start off to a great start. But we recognize that there was Cain and Abel. And Abel, he was a rancher. He brought an offering to God, a sacrifice of an animal. Cain uh, brought an offering of grain. And God accepted Abel's offering of the sacrifice and not Cain's, the grain. And why was that? Why was Abel's accepted? Why was he commended righteous when he spoke well of his offerings? Well, because Cain's 
brought his offering as an expression of faith. It was a sacrifice where Abel just brought an offering. He brought grain. He didn't bring what God wanted. He, and because of this, because Cain brought a sacrifice or an offering, not a sacrifice, it was not what uh, was this idea of God being righteous for whatever reason. And instead of repenting and correcting, Cain decided then, well, I'm going to sacrifice my brother, which was also not what God wanted. Right? Which is why it says, by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead, is that we recognize that Abel, even though he died in the body, he lives on, doesn't he? And his example for us continues to speak. Not only will we get to heaven, and Abel will be there, and he's been there a while, but also the truth of what he'd gone through speaks to us, that God desires from us the sacrifice. God desires from us what he's asked, not what we want to bring to him, but what God has asked from us. That's a good lesson of what faith looks like. If we believe that God is a creator and that he's real, he has a will. And we have to expect that, that we have confidence in this assurance. We don't see it, but we understand it. We hear his voice in scripture. We understand what he wants. And faith is an expression of them bringing him that. He goes on then, is uh, verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleases God. Now, this is in the next chapter, Genesis 5, where we find the story of there's the lineage between Adam and Eve all the way down to Noah, right? And uh, seven generations in on humanity is this guy named Enoch, and then ten generations into it, you have Noah, right? So in the seventh generation, this weird story that uh, in Genesis 5, it says this about him. It says, altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked faithful with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. That's what we know about Enoch. And then we know that he had, he had a father and he had kids, right? That's about it. And based upon that, we even have like a, uh, an intertestamental book uh, that was written, the book of Enoch, that uh, is uh, part of the Apocrypha. It's not scripture, but uh, that was there. It wasn't written by Enoch. Why? Because he was taken to heaven, right? But, but what we see in Enoch is this amazing thing, that he lived a righteous life, that God was pleased with him, and so God didn't allow him to die. He's one of the few people in Scripture that uh, were taken to heaven before physical death, which is a pretty crazy thing. He just walked faithfully with God. He trusted in God. He lived in, in his life such a way. So uh, why did God save Enoch from death? Because he lived faithfully. And who does God save from death now? Those who have faith. That's a pretty awesome thing. Isn't it cool that God hasn't changed? Not from the beginning. He will never change. That we have a confident assurance that God is not going to add a new byline or something like this, a new qualification as to who can be saved or how it works. That God saves by his grace, but he saves those who have faith from the beginning. And so faith is this confident assurance that Enoch lived in this life, even though he was living in the fall, he had confident assurance. There was a creator, apparently, and he lived for him, and it was enough. And so we recognize then that faith is this. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. That is the, what, what faith is. And if we look at that, then faith then begins, why is my slides? I practiced them so many times. Well, we're just, I'm going to tell you, uh, do, do. So the first thing is that faith starts with the belief in God as creator. Faith starts in a belief with God as creator. That's how it begins. And so if, there is, if God is not creator, then 
what are we doing here? If God was a being that was underneath creation, if God was maybe the, like as some believe, is, is the universe's energy, like all the things that are a part of creation come together and we have this giant growing consciousness, that's who God is, then God can't be bigger than this world. He's subject to it. That all existence is, uh, is just basically the sum total of what we think it might be. There's nothing greater than the human mind. There's nothing truly moral or rational or good. It's just kind of what's out there. But Christians understand what God has revealed about himself, that he's holy. He's different. He's other. He's creator. He's outside of this world, like, that he does things that are impossible, and he rewards those that seek him. He's a relational God. He is intimately involved in our lives. He's not the deistic God that, that created all things and then just walked away. He rewards those who seek him. He is involved in our life. His faith starts with the belief in God as our creator, but it's also expressed in righteous action. That, that our life, how we live, can be an expression of faith. Look at, look at Abel. Look at Enoch. Right? This is why they were listed for us. Their faith was expressed in how they lived. That if we believe that God exists, it will change what we do, won't it? It will change our perception of how the world operates. It will change our perception of, of what is right and what is wrong because ethics no longer come from me or what I think is right and wrong. It comes from God, who he says is right and wrong. Right? Faith will always then be expressed in righteous action. In fact, you won't find that faith has ever been praised by someone who just kept it upstairs in their head. Beyond that, it says faith uh, results in godly living because of that. We're not saved by our godly living, but if we are saved, if we believe in God, if we have confident assurance that God is creator, there is a design and an order, there actually is a morality that is greater than humanity. If there are things that are true, that we believe that God is at work within those who trust him, if we believe that God is, it rewards those who seek him, if we believe that, that there is an order to this world, then we will begin to live in that order naturally it'll be the expression of our lives it will result in a godly lifestyle not a humanistic lifestyle that i'm not going to be judging god based upon what i think is right and wrong i will allow god in his word to judge me based upon what he says is right and wrong and i will begin to adapt my life to it because i know god is real and he exists and we also know then and this is wonderful thing that faith then as we grow through it it leads to eternal life. Now that's the most important thing. Who still speaks even though his body died? Well, even Abel. That was a long time ago because eternal life is a long time. But it doesn't matter. There's no expiration on life for those who are faithful. In fact, let's look at Adam and Eve. There was a choice, wasn't it, between two trees? But you couldn't eat from both. You can either be the God of your own life and have faith in yourself and your own ability and your own intelligence and your own smarts and your own goodness to be able to bring eternal life. But if you do that, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and you try to be your own God, you've lost access to the tree of life. That we recognize that we have to trust in God's ways. We have to live our life according to the what we know he, he designed this world to work into, that we are not the creator, that we are not the boss, but he is. And if we have confident assurance in that and we trust in God, it will always lead to the tree of life. 
It leads us, like we talked about today, the bread of life. It leads to eternal life. But the coolest thing about eternal life is it's not just in length long, like it's going to last forever, which it will, but it's also abundant. It's rich and full. It's not this strung out, very thin, miserable life that God brings us into, that eternal life begins now for us. That, that it's not that there was, there was uh, Adam and Eve, and then they had Cain and Abel, and then Abel begins to, to live, and then once he believes in God, now there's this new Abel, and his life starts, and now he's a, a different person, and then everything he had before didn't count. No, he was granted eternal life. He, he, he's still the same Abel but he's been sanctified and his life now has a fuller, richer, grander experience. Now, we experience that today, don't we? That's part of being a disciple that follows Jesus. That's what, that's what the writer of Hebrews was calling his, his readers to. They're saying even in the midst of this world, even in the midst of the brokenness, even when things are, are hard, even when they're difficult, that you don't have to wait till you die to experience the fullness of eternal life. That what we do matters because our God is creator and he's not just the creator of this world, he's the creator of the next as well. And that he's at work doing something powerful in this life and we can trust that even now, right? So we have a fullness, we, we have this eternal life that we can only gain if we live by faith. And so it's not just our salvation that's on the line, it's the quality of our life, our existence. That as we, we begin to cling to God, we begin to see the world in a much deeper and a more profound and, and, and a greater way. We begin to understand the truth that God has laid out before us. That, that we don't wait till we understand all that God has in order to put our faith in him. That as we place our faith in him, we begin to see all the great things that God has for us. The things that we couldn't see in advance. So for example, for many of you guys, because well, all of us, we are struggling. Everyone here is struggling with the brokenness of this world. Everyone's struggling with sickness, with death, or with problems, whatever it is, because we live in a broken paradise. That's just the way that it is. All of us have struggles. But if we know that God is real, that he, he rewards those who follow him, that he's got a purpose in all of these things, that he is... He is engaged in our life, that he's not distant or far from us, that he rewards those who seek him. Well, then the troubles that I have today are not distant from his plan. They're not distant from his power, that he's actually at work now, even like he was with the church that was being persecuted in Hebrews. You know that God did some amazing things through that church. And because of the blood of the martyrs, it was called the seed of the church, because they suffered faithfully and did not give up, that was not very long after that, that eventually the entire Roman Empire fell as the kingdom of God arose. I think that's pretty awesome. That we attain greatness, fullness of life as we live faithfully even now. That is what we long for. That's what we look for. This is what faith is. It's got to start with that confidence and our hope. So we begin to look at them. What is the hope that we have? What are the promises that God has given us? You can't know those if you don't know what God said, which is why I think Jesse's sermon last week was so profound and so good. That we have to make sure that we are using Scripture as the filter, but it's also our foundation. That we go through it. If we don't know what it says, how can we hope for our promises we've never heard? 
And as much as I love preaching, and I do, you're not going to get from me in a half hour every week all of the things that God has for us. We all need to be in this. We have to understand it and to read it and to and recognize that the God's word was, was, was spoken to us so that we could understand it. He's a good communicator. He's not being mystical about these things, right? God is not like Nostradamus. Like he tells us what he wants. And so when we read the word, we don't ask, what does it say to me? We ask, what is God trying to say to me? Right? What, was, what was the author's intended meaning? And get to hear what God says so we can have confidence in our hope. We even know what to hope for. And so we have to begin with that. But then we have to have this assurance. Because life is going to be difficult. We're not going to see the promises of God fulfilled in our earthly life fully. That's part of what we read in Hebrews 11. A lot of these guys, they died and they didn't even see everything fulfilled yet. But they knew that it would be fulfilled. And they also knew that God would reward them and he would take care of it and that they weren't going to miss out on the good things of God. And so we can trust in him, and that allowed them to live faithfully, even in spite of this world in which we didn't see all of God's promises fulfilled immediately. And you're going to need that. Because I'm going to tell you the truth, that Jesus didn't come and just give us an easy gospel. He gave us a hard gospel. It's a wonderful one. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. But he also warned people, he said a lot of people aren't going to have the strength to follow him. And he said, if you start this and you turn back, you're not even worthy of the kingdom. And a lot of people would do that. He was very, very clear to a lot of folks, if you don't have faith, you're not going to make it. And faith is something, it is a decision, it is something that we have to, to focus and say, we are going to be committed to this. Why the whole book of Hebrews was even written, so that the, the church wouldn't turn away from faith, that we can press on. So we have to have this assurance. We have to know what he says. We have to trust them so that way when the hard times come, and in this world, they will come because God is working through the hard things. The God's at work in all of these things, bringing about something good for, for those who love him, for all those who love him, called according to his purpose. But he's at work, but we're going to go through difficult things. And in this next year, I pray God's blessing. You're going to go through a lot of good things too because God's a great God. And you're going to experience lots of joy and hope. And you're going to see the goodness of God. And you're going to see his richness. And I do pray that for you. But we're also going to experience difficulties, every single one of us. Things that are going to rock us to our core. Things that are going to show us in our life that we're not enough. And in this world, we can't put our trust in because it's not, it's not <laughs> strong enough. The world is not, it's not trustworthy enough. There are going to be things in the hell happen even this next year for every one of us that will be at that crossroads, that we will say, am I going to trust what God has? Am I going to have assurance that he's going to keep his word, that God is going to be with me through this, that he's given me exactly what I need, that he's providing me the grace and the strength to handle these things, that he's got a purpose in the midst of it, or am I going to give up on him and try to do things on my own? Confident assurance. Confident assurance. And we're going to talk about then how do we get that in these next few weeks. We're going to talk about then really why that's so important. Why does God care so much about this confident assurance? Why does he even expect this from us? And we're going to talk about how do we help that grow so that you can have more and more confidence and assurance in Christ. Because I guarantee this, where you started in Christ, you're, not going, to, you're going to have the least amount of faith, hopefully, the first day you become a Christian. The faith is supposed to grow. So we're going to talk about how do we make that grow, right? But we think we need to start with this today. That that self-check, do we have confidence, assurance in the promises of God?
right? Th- this is where, where you go. So if you have your connection card, I need to look on, the, on that back step. I've got a couple next steps because faith moves. Faith actually is, it takes what we believe to be true. The confident assurance causes us to act, right? First thing is to memorize Hebrews 11.6, to think about that. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because this really will correct a lot of our misdirected energy as Christians. I think a lot of us do things for God in the sense that we, we just feel obligated or we feel guilty or we, we feel like, well, I need to. Sometimes there's a sense of pride that I want to be better or whatever, so it's focused on me. But to recognize no matter what we do, if it's not an expression of our confident assurance that God exists and he rewards those that seek him, then we're missing the mark, that without faith, you can't please God. So before we do all the good works that we're going to do this year, and we're going to do some really awesome stuff this next year, we've got some really exciting things planned about how we're caring for each other, but also reaching out in the community and doing some amazing things. But if it's not an expression of growing faith, it's worthless. So take some time and memorize that. Think about it. Meditate on it. Um, Ask God to reveal in your life, where is it that you're walking faithfully? Right? Something else that you can do this week is read Hebrews 11. Why? Because Hebrews chapter 11 gives us the example of what faith practice looks like. You're going to see lots of different examples in different places in life. This is what those guys did right. Now, there were places in Scripture that some people were lifted up for their faith that they didn't even do things perfectly. There are other parts in their life were pretty awful, but they were still commended. Why? For their faith, for the confident assurance that they had in God. I think you're going to find in there that God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for your heart. He's looking for your faithfulness. Maybe read that. See the example so you know what we're we're trying to build. The next thing I'm going to challenge us to do this week is to pray with confident assurance. Now, this is not wishful thinking. It's the confidence that God exists. Even if you have doubt, guess what? That's what belief is for. Belief allows us to trust something even when we have doubt. And so say, God, I I don't know how to understand... I don't get this. I do have doubts, but I'm trust enough to talk to you. And I have confidence that you hear me. And I'm assured uh, that, that you're going to keep your word. Now, I still struggle with this, but I'm going to be assured that you keep your word and that you are doing great things. So I'm going to start praying about this. Maybe it's something happening in your own life. Maybe it's a health thing. Maybe it's a somebody that you love that's wandering from God or going through something difficult. Maybe it's that you have to make a really important decision and you need wisdom. And so you need to pray with confident assurance that God, you need to help me and guide me in this to drive me in your path. Begin praying with confident assurance and really start this week as saying, God, I'm not questioning your character. I'm not questioning your 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 morals. I'm not questioning your goodness. I'm not questioning your activity in my life. All those things are given. I just want to be faithful to you. Begin praying that way. I think you're going to find as you start this new year, your life will begin to change radically. Next thing I ask us to do is, is, is to join the membership of our church. We have a class next week. Why? It's an expression of faith. There are a lot of clubs that you can join, but church is not a club. It's a family. Right? It, it, we are the kingdom of God. We are, we are building the, the, the goodness of God in us. We are shining the light of Christ. We have a mission. God has called us to, to saturate this valley with the goodness and the blessing of the gospel and, and the good works that come from that, that all people will see that there is a God and they can praise him. Begin with that first thing so they can at least begin to take that first step of faith. That God has called us to some amazing things, but it's not going to be easy and you're not going to do it alone. He did not design any Christian to be able to fulfill the commission on their own. 
He called us to do it together as a body, as a family. And if you've been coming and, and you don't have a church family, we invite you to join this one and, and to hear about what we believe and, and how we're structured and all those types of things. But this is an expression of faith. It's you saying that God is real and that he rewards those who seek him. And I believe that I want to be part of that. I want to be part of his great work in the impossible. Because you look at this culture, what God has called us to is completely impossible. Make generational transformational disciples in a culture that is denying God and then hates him at the same time irrationally. But we're doing it. We're going to shine the light in the darkness. We're going to be building faithfulness in our own lives in contradiction to the ways of, of this broken world. We're going to be doing amazing things. You want to be part of that. You don't want to miss out. So make this an expression of faith. So if you need to do that, put on your connection card, membership class. I'll know that I'll need to provide materials for you. Then next week we'll be meeting together and having a sandwich and, and a good conversation about what does it mean to be part of the church. Now, if you're here this morning, though, and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, right, you don't have faith yet in him, then your first step needs to be that. Right? You can't begin to follow Jesus until you take this first step. That you have to believe that, that there is a creator, and Jesus in the word is revealed as the actual creator, that in all things were created by him and nothing was created without him. That's a pretty amazing thing, and that he rewards those who seek him. And Jesus said that, that he came to this world, that God sent his son to the world right, to save all of those who would believe in him. That's an amazing thing. But you have to place your faith in him. You have to start with this, that he is creator and he rewards those who seek him, that there's eternal life in placing your faith in him. Now, you're going to have doubts and you have questions. Of course you will. But you can have faith enough to begin to follow. So you can start living the eternal life. So you can start taking those steps of discipleship so that God can open your eyes up to the truth of his word, the truth of his purpose in this life, so that you can start living for the bigger things, the eternal things, and not just the temporary things. You have to start at some point. And you can't follow God until your sins have been forgiven because he is a holy God. And that's why he came to die on a cross to pay for your sins. So accept that and begin to follow him. And if you need to do that, do that now. What a great way to start this new year with a new life, with eternal life. And if you need to make that decision, of course, you can mark it on your car, but also come talk with me. Right? I'm going to be up here at the end of the message. You can come chat with me. But also let me know that you, need, you have questions, you want to start a relationship with Christ. We'll meet, we'll answer your questions, we'll help you take those steps of faith, and we will help you then grow in a healthy church family so that you can see the amazing things that God has in and for you, that he's prepared good works in advance for you to complete. It's going to be awesome. If you need to take that commitment, let me know what that is now. All right, so hopefully I've given you time to express how you want to, to uh, walk in your faith this week, to put your faith into action. Put on your connection card. If you've got a prayer request, put that down too. Our God listens and he does amazing things. So let us pray for this week. In just a moment, we're going to be collecting those, uh, those, those connection cards. Drop those in the offering basket along with your tithes and your gifts, right? Let this be an expression of your faith in God. And I'll tell you what, God will do amazing things. All right, so let me pray for you as we make those commitments. Heavenly Father. Thank you. Thank you so much that you are a living God, that you are real, that you are not just a figment of imagination. You're not an emotional crutch, but you are the real creator that this world can't even begin to be explained without you. And that you've given purpose to our lives. You've given purpose even now. And even though the world is broken, you've revealed to us that you have been a plan to build about a righteous kingdom, that you are doing something amazing, a renewal, a redemptive purpose. 
We want to walk in that, Lord. We want to walk with you in that. We want to live with confident assurance in the things that we hope for and what we don't see. So, Father God, I pray this year and even today and this week that you would build our faith, that you'd help us to have that confidence, to trust you. And, Father, those areas of life that we have doubt, Father, I ask that you would begin to, to speak to us and to show us the reality of your truth, that we would not give up, that we would not grow weak in our faith, that we would walk strong in our faith as we grow together as your body. Father, the commitments we make today, Lord, use that to draw us closer to you. Help us to, to love you more through them. And Father, I pray in this and, and, and through our tithes and our offerings and all these things that you would take these expressions of our faith, Father, also as expressions of our love and our commitment to you. And that you would use that to, to glorify your name for you are worthy. We pray all of this in the wonderful name of our Savior Jesus.